0: Hello and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan podcast. I'm your host, Kieran, and I'm here with a very frustrated Melbourne supporter, Nita Nita Rao. (laughs) Now, Nita, have you recovered after the loss to Geelong?
1: I was very frustrated. This was much worse than any of our 100 point plus beltings by Geelong. because we. I don't think you remember the
0: 100 point beltings well enough, Nita. Oh,
1: maybe that's true. I mean, that was pretty demoralizing. But I mean, we just just kicked 17 behinds. It's extraordinary. It's 17.
0: It is. But the fact is, despite a lot of injuries, despite being against a team that literally could not miss, um, we were clearly the better team. It is, it is like the West Coast game last year. I mean, it is infuriating. But if I could choose between that and a terrible loss, I would take that in a heartbeat.
1: I know. But sometimes you just prefer... I mean, I know. Let's put the question out to our fans over there on the podcast world. Would you prefer a horrible 100 point loss or an excruciating game where you're clearly the better side but you just kick yourself to defeat
0: these are the only two choices from Yes,
1: literally (laughs) there are no other (laughs) options there really are it reminded me of the Essendon game that we won where Essendon kicked like 22 behinds or something and Christian Salem kicked the winning goal it was extraordinary
0: yeah the problem is when you're the the underdog and you dominate I feel like missing just hurts you more you feel like you've just missed this golden yeah. opportunity every time you take a shot completely um, and you could even see Jack Viney like talking to himself before his shots was he to, really yeah trying to will the ball through but it was will does not horrible. put the ball through the sticks unfortunately. No, unfortunately
1: it doesn't I mean and look it wasn't great you know leadership, I don't think from Jones or Viney I mean Jones kicked three behinds and Viney kicked two behinds I think
0: I don't think you can call Jones as missing leadership it's not like he was like, well, what are my values as a leader no, today? I well, appreciate that, but there's the
1: captain's <laughs> goal moments, you know? There's a the, there's the goals that, goals that you have to put through just to will yourself, will your team rather, you know, back into the game and give them some confidence and inspire the team. I feel like if Jones kicked those goals, that could have inspired something. And look, I love Jones. This is not an assault on Jones, but I'm just saying that those were those are captain's moments that you have to relish.
0: But to me, that just shows that our captains are very good players, but they're not superstars, Yeah, right? they're that's not, true. They're not Hodge, they're not Selwood, they're not the kind of players that you bank your house on, but they're very, very good footballers who, you know, on this occasion came up short. But there were so many positives from the game. I mean, I think we beat the Cats' midfield for nearly the whole game, despite losing Gorm, which is a fantastic achievement. Um, And, I mean, I think uh, our defence adapted well later on in the game. I think they
1: keep breaking down, to be honest. I mean, we just have too many instances where goals get over the back. And, that, and that's a bit of a problem. But maybe that's an 18-man defense issue, not a you know, particular player issue.
0: Yeah. Well, let's turn to some of the, the big questions from the game. And the obvious one, the one that we can't stop hearing about, is does the injury to Max Gorn destroy our final six?
1: Yes. I love Gorn. And I think Gorn, I mean, I know he's definitely not underrated and by anyone in the media, not that we really are in the media either, but no, definitely not by ourselves. we're in the either. media.
0: We've got an audience of between 50 and 100 people. That's, we've that's media. Audience,
1: <laughs> we've got an audience of like five people, Kieran. Fine. Other people have just accidentally... Thank you to all five of you. Yeah. <laughs> other people have accidentally stumbled upon our podcast. But <laughs> look, I think I think we Gorn's injury cannot be understated. And I just think that we're so used to seeing Gorn week in, week out, palm it down our midfielder's throats, that maybe we've just become so used to it and we don't really appreciate how good all of our midfield look because of Gorn.
0: True. And, and that's certainly true for someone like Dom Tyson, um, who had a, a pretty poor game on the weekend. He did. And, and, and I'd argue he's probably our midfielder that's been most dependent on Gorn's form. He seems to have this, this, this synergy with Gorn. He does. Um, which means that he looked a fair way off it when Gorn was off. But I'd argue, I'd take the contrary view. I would say that our midfield adapted very well. I agree. When Gordon was out. I mean, the second and third quarter with Watts, who's, you know, not even close to a Ruckman. No. Um, They adapted well. They started roving the Geelong taps. Yeah. Um, Their pressure was really good. I mean, over time, it wasn't sustainable. But I feel like if Spencer just comes in and, you know, does a solid job, kind of, you know, gets some decent tap work, doesn't let Sanderlands eat him alive. I think our midfield can adapt.
1: Come at the moment, come at the Jake Spencer, come <laughs> at the pencil.
0: Come at the pencil, exactly.
1: Well, I mean, this is a real question, though. Do you think Jake Spencer has any chance against an Aaron Sanderlands or a, you know, any of the other good ruckmen in the competition, like t- Tom Hickey, any of those ruckmen?
0: I think Spencer's a pretty handy tap ruckman. Uh, I don't think his problem is is in that sense around the ground. Um, I mean, he's quick, but he doesn't have a huge amount of skill.
1: it's <laughs> an understatement. But he can't he can't mark the ball like Gordon can. He's not as good a contested mark. But, I mean, I mean very few players in the AFLR. And
0: he's clearly not an all-Australian ruckman. But yeah. what he needs to do is try and even the contest. Compete. Compete, not let his opponent get uh, too many uh, shots at goal or easy possessions. Um, and just fight around the ground. And clearly Watts can show he can rotate into the ruck and be an extra midfielder. Yeah. Uh, which offers us a really interesting look. And it makes you wonder... Um, if Watts can keep developing that side of the game. I mean, maybe that is the future. Maybe the Port Adelaide kind of forced model yeah. is, is the way that you might end up going.
1: Well, his goal out of the middle was beautiful.
0: It is a beautiful goal, yeah. But, it was a great goal. But the thing about Watts' game for me is it wasn't just the goals or the good kicking, because we've always known he can do that, mm. but his competitiveness. Even, I know. even before Gorn went down, you could see him attacking the mark, yeah. like going really hard at the ball. To me, that was close to his most impressive game. It
1: was, actually. And I don't he feel really like the media was.
0: gave it the credit because, obviously, Geelong overrun Melbourne at the end. But he was just throwing himself into every contest. He was.
1: He absolutely was. And, look, part of it was because we forced him to mm. because there was literally no other options. So it was just kind of a feeding to the wolves right. kind of experiment. But,
0: right. but you know he's what? been fed to like, the wolves before and been eaten alive. Exactly. So, so, this so maybe was this different. was.
1: I mean, Nathan Jones definitely, you know, applauded his effort and, and said that he did an amazing job just filling in for gone. Right. after the second quarter, whenever it was that Gorm went down. So, I mean, I, I completely agree. And this might be the making of Watts. Maybe this is the sort of turning point where he starts to really become the competitor that we need him to be. Right,
0: right. And he was still showing signs of that last year. Uh, I wasn't at all happy with his first two weeks, even no. though uh, some Melbourne fans thought he played well in week two. I thought he just went way away from that kind of contested ball, uh, str- a string to his bow that he was developing. But that was phenomenal. I was yeah. really excited about that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he just needs to get his hands on the ball more. That's that's my general impression. So maybe shoving him in the midfield is the only way of doing it, and in the process of shoving him in the midfield, let's shove him in the ruck as well, right? I mean,
0: you're completely right, Nita. He's our best user of the ball, one of our best decision makers with the ball in hand. Probably our best kick. Oh, I mean, easily our best kick. Yeah. I'd argue, and so we just—I mean,
1: I was considering Salem, but like either yeah. Watts or Salem, I think are our two best kicks.
0: Sure, 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 and and we we need them to get the ball as yeah, much as possible. We do. It's a reality. So well, they're... Salem's
1: been getting the ball more recently this season, so I mean, hopefully that will continue. Right. Because I just think that oh, I don't know. I'm still you still watch a Geelong midfield of you know Selwood and Dangerfield and come away thinking we really do need some more polish. We do. You know? We do.
0: And I think what'll happen is when Hibbard comes back, Salem can push into the midfield yeah, um, more sustainably, get more of the ball. And hopefully the hard nuts can just farm it out to Watts, Salem. Um, I mean, even Jaden Hunt uh, oh, has, has a fair bit of class, I'd argue, yeah. on the wing. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. And so I don't feel too negative about this. Um, I know there's a lot of fatalism about it, but I feel like All we need to do is for Spencer to break even. I think we'll get a lot of our good players coming back into the team in the next few weeks. Um, This week is huge. There's no question.
1: Should we, before we move on to this, just in terms of classy players, and I'm interested in what the podcast fans think about this. Should we be trying to pursue Josh Kelly? Is this Mm. exclusively a North Melbourne project, or should Melbourne be trying to pursue a player of Josh Kelly's class who has a lot of outside run and a lot of excellent finishing skills, which are all things that we really lack as the weekend demonstrated?
0: Oh, I mean, he looks like he'd be the the perfect fit for our team. He really really does. Um, I mean,
1: we just don't need hard nuts. We don't need ball winners. We just need, you know, we need some class and some outside run.
0: No question, but I just question how we're going to match the offer. I mean, one... He obviously has a North Melbourne connection Mm. to $9 million over nine years. Yeah, we can't do that. I mean, what are we going to do? We'd have to lose one of the big names like uh, Petrarca, Oliver, Gus, Gus, uh, Viney. I mean, mean, it's possible Kelly will end up being better than, than all of them. But at the same time, I mean, I think we're building a really good core of players that are playing together.
1: I agree. I'm just wondering why Melbourne isn't trying to pursue those types of players a bit more. Right. I feel like we've been really focused in our recruiting on recruiting a team of real competitors and real bulls at the gate, which is great. And obviously, we've been focused on recruiting halfback flankers recently. Mm. But I feel like we really need to start thinking about, you know, who are these outside players? Who are the, fin- the people with the finishing skills?
0: Right. Absolutely. I and mean, break a game open. Kelly would be great. Um, Andrew Gaff, one of your favorite players of all time, Nina. Yeah,
1: I love Andrew uh, Gaff.
0: Who I think was a Melbourne supporter, um, would be perfect.
1: Yeah, I think role. he's contracted, though.
0: Um, yeah, I'm sure, but I'm thinking more down the track. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I just find it interesting, our recruiting method, that's all. Because yeah. we haven't been linked to many players.
0: No, no, but, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, we weren't linked to Jordan Lewis and that came out of nowhere. That's true. Um, so, I mean, I mean, Kelly would be amazing. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't be that hard for us to draft quick outside players. Yeah. Um, usually that's a bit easier than getting the big Key position players that we seem to have done. Of
1: course. And maybe J.K. And Kennedy Harris will come back in and fill that type of role as well.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Um, but anyway, so let's move on to the next segment, which is the Rowan Bale Award for the most underrated performance. Kieran?
0: Well, let's spend a moment reflecting on Rowan Bale, because we haven't done that for a week. Are we... <laughs> Rowan Bale, a, a classy ball user from time to time. Um, have I mentioned he's the best tackler in Melbourne history? Melbourne arguably. history, really? He's gone up since the previous week. Clearly. Um, a very nice young man, likes his golf, as I see from his Twitter. Um, but he's the kind of underrated, honest soldier that this club needs. And so who wins the Rowan Bale Award for most underrated performance for this week? I mean, my nomination is um, seconded by one of our most loyal listeners, Michael O'Donnell, Neville Jetta.
1: I loved Neville Jetta on the weekend.
0: Um I mean, he made a costly turnover in the He did. Quarter. That was
1: bad. But so did Alex Neil Bullen, who still managed to get ranked in the top players on the ground sure. by AFL.com.
0: Neville Jetta, he's so composed. He, he is. almost never gets beaten, even by the best small forwards. I guess the question is, is he really underrated? Because, I mean, he's not underrated to Melbourne fans. No. But in the overall competition, he probably still is underrated. Oh,
1: definitely. He very rarely gets beaten. I think he's great. Yeah. As a, as a one-on-one defender. And he does not usually make very good decisions. Unfortunately, that was a bit of a blooper on the weekend. Um, other suggestions were Dean Kent for most underrated performance. Look, I disagree with this one because he kicked three behinds. Which he also
0: kicked a couple of goals. He
1: did, and a couple of more were really nice goals, actually. I think one of them was a really nice goal right? from right, memory. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and look, maybe it's harsh to single him out for bad kicking when literally everybody did not have their kicking shoes on on the weekend.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, the real winner probably is Paul Ruse. After yeah. His commentary performance. Ruse's on the
1: commentary was amazing.
0: I have never seen a more biased commentary Unbelievable. performance. Unbelievable! It was fantastic. I loved
1: it. He was clearly like barracking like, for Melbourne the whole time.
0: He kept going on about how Melbourne should be up by fifty points, I sixty know. points, ten goals, it was fifteen goals. You
1: could just hear the frustration <laughs> in his voice.
0: Terrible umpiring decision. Terrible umpiring.
1: He's like the the umpires haven't been good today to Melbourne. He loved it. He was it. pretty much
0: groaning every time Geelong kept kicking it straight through the goals. It is just amazing. I, I do love, love it. it.
1: Good on we you, haven't Roozie. had
0: someone like that in the media who's just aggressively barracking for Melbourne the yeah, whole time.
1: Most people are aggressively, you know, abusing <laughs> Melbourne. Distancing so. themselves. Distancing themselves from the club. So it's a very interesting phenomenon.
0: Thank you, Ruzi. The gift right. that keeps on giving.
1: Exactly. Well, let's move on to the next segment, which is the round three preview. So... Let's have a look at the ins and outs. Who comes in for Gorn? And I think this is a fairly obvious answer. Big Pencil is getting the call up. And this is, you know what? This could be the making of his whole career.
0: This could be the moment the pencil becomes the sharpener or the (laughs) highlighter or some other superior form of stationery. Exactly
1: right. How long have you been rehearsing that joke for,
0: Kieran? Oh, just for about two hours. Fair enough. (laughs)
1: Just as long as I just wanted to confirm that one. Um, So look, Pencil's going to come in and you have a lot more faith in Pencil than I do.
0: Uh, I have a lot more faith than most people, which isn't saying much. No, but, it's not. But I think he'll be okay. Um, and then, obviously, Watts is going to play a fair bit in the ruck. Yes. To me, the big question is what we do with our with our key position tools on both ends of the ground. Yeah. So, Weedman had a very quiet game.
1: He did. And it's probably
0: a, fair to say a pretty quiet season so far. Yeah. He's shown flat, uh, glimpses. Yeah. Oscar McDonald uh, didn't play terribly, but I mean, clearly he doesn't have the body to really match it with the big key forward.
1: He doesn't. But that being said, I mean, let's have a think about it. So Oscar McDonald, uh, like Fremantle at this stage don't have like Matthew Pavlich in their forward line right now, right? So who would Oscar McDonald realistically be playing on, Cam McCarthy or someone like that? Because that's not, probably Tom McDonald would go to Cam McCarthy or Tom McDonald would go to Kirsten and then Oscar McDonald might go to McCarthy.
0: I would say Tom McDonald would go to, McCarthy, because he's their best player, Yeah, Uh, and Oscar McDonald would go to Kirsten.
1: Right. Which 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 isn't a terrible matchup. I mean, I I feel like Omak might not, at least in the immediacy, be able to play on the big bear-type key forwards, right? So the Tom Hawkins of the world, I think, might be a bit of a stretch, given his body shape. But Kirsten isn't huge, is he?
0: No, he's not huge, but he's a pretty solidly sized player. Yeah. Uh, You're right. This week isn't necessarily a pure matchup thing. Yeah. I guess I have a more lingering concern with Oscar McDonald, which is I don't see him being in a position to ever be big enough to take the kind of gorilla forwards. Oh, interesting. He just doesn't look like he really has the size to me. And Tom McDonald as well. I mean, Tom McDonald's an awesome player, but Mm. he's really going to take the second biggest forward, ideally. Mm. Like, against a Hawkins, against a really... Um, you know, a Josh Kennedy, I just don't think he has the strength necessarily to go at them. Yeah. And so what I like about Frost is, I mean, Frost makes, makes mistakes, but he's huge.
1: Yeah. He's massive. He's enormous. He's absolutely massive. we can massive. groom
0: him to become like a gorilla tamer.
1: Yeah. He <laughs> can be like a, yeah, he can be like a zoo,
0: um, you know. A zookeeper. A
1: zookeeper. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is an option. I think, I think, look, Frost is an unbelievable athlete. He really is, and he's he's mentally, he's very quick. Just ask Jeremy. Jeremy yeah. loves talking about how quick Frost is. Um, so I mean, look, there's a lot of positives to him, but I just his decision making is probably obviously is his biggest flaw. Hmm. But I agree. I think I think maybe Frost should potentially come back in, and and maybe Pedersen for Wiedemann at this stage. I mean, if they decide that Wiedemann needs a little bit of a spell in the VFL just to sort of get some confidence up, get some goals happening, then maybe Pedersen is a good option.
0: I agree because he can also do a little bit of ruck work. Yeah, um, if for some reason we don't want Watts to do the backup, um, which I
1: don't, which I mean, uh, look, I mean, Watts in the ruck is really still not a long term option, yeah, right? and yeah, it's yeah. still unideal. Like, and and Pedersen coming in means Pedersen can be the you know the backup ruckman, not Watts, right, which
0: right, which is right.
1: which is still you know a better option, I think, just in terms of Watts' body.
0: Right, 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 exactly, exactly. We're willing to risk Pedo's body yeah. as, he, <laughs> look, maybe as he gets crunched, but not Watts. Probably
1: a little bit of a up, you know
0: <laughs> as, a, as a little battering ram. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Who's, this is the only
0: way you can win a new contract. Better. Exactly. Whose <laughs>
1: livelihood are you willing to forsake? Um, no. But anyway, um, so I mean, look, those are two options that they may they make. I'm interested in knowing, so Hibbert is playing in Easter on Easter Monday is what we understand. Right. So the hope is that he comes back in against Richmond.
0: Right, right, right. Um, I'd be interested to see uh, Jake Kennedy Harris at some point yeah. in the team. I thought he looked pretty good in the JLT he Cup. He looked great.
1: He's got some slick handles happening, JKH. He's got some class. Yeah.
0: And I feel like Frio's the kind of team you can expose with some speed. I mean... I don't know who naturally, whose spot he'd naturally take, so maybe he won't get to go this week. Um, but, I mean, I would consider playing him above someone like Tim Smith. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, Tim Smith was okay. He was solid. But I think Kennedy Harris might uh, expose a little bit of a weakness in the free OT. I usually.
1: agree. I mean, Tim Smith was honest, as Rosie kept saying. He
0: does have that honest he football He was very
1: honest, which is, I feel like, is a code word for just, you know... <laughs>
0: But we can't go off in too. I mean, he was he was he played solidly. He
1: was fine. I mean, Hannon
0: was quiet but looked looked good. I mean, do
1: you think Hannon stays in the forward line?
0: I think so. I think so. I like what I've seen of Hannon, Um, and I think he's always going to be a player that doesn't get a massive amount of possessions always, but but will hit the scoreboard when he gets a chance. Yeah,
1: and look, everybody was down last week in terms of their output in terms in front of goals, right? Right. So it's hard to judge one member of the forward line without judging all of them, Right, right, right? Right, because they all struggled really.
0: Yeah. Um. So I think yeah, Spencer in for Gorn. Um, pedo for weed, maybe Frost for Oscar McDonald if Frost's body bodies up to it. Yeah, um, but I mean they don't desperately have to make changes. I feel like a lot of players played quite well. It was they just in front of goals.
1: Yeah, I agree. That was that was the only real issue, really.
0: Sunita, so, do we win this game?
1: Look, I'm not sure to be honest. I, I didn't like Freo having a very rousing victory in
0: perfect time Perth
1: with their you know against the reigning premiers and with all of their new kids who've like barely played any games of football, right? So right. you know I'm not. Uh, You know, it really shouldn't be the case that like Griffin Logue like destroys our team, but you know, with this team, you never really know. (laughs) So, look, what do you think?
0: I think we'll get up. I I mean, I think Frio obviously has a fair bit of midfield class, um, but I mean, I I still think, um, you know, our midfield played really well last week. Uh, I don't think Frio's backline is particularly good. Um, Is
1: that Dawson's out of the backline?
0: Well, there you go. Maybe they're better now, but. Um, I feel like we can really, we've got a pretty versatile forward line and if they convert a bit better this week, I still think we'll get over the line.
1: I mean, I hope so. I just, it's a huge game. I don't know who's going to stop Nat 5. Yeah. I mean, we don't
0: have to stop him just if we can restrict him a bit. Yeah. I mean, clearly in the first two weeks, teams were able to do it He was restricted.
1: He was great last week though.
0: Right, right, right. I think we'll win at the G. Maybe it's just misplaced hope. We need to win, essentially.
1: We do need to win, but you know, Hogan being out is so infuriating.
0: It is, it is. It is so
1: infuriating. Exactly
0: the game we needed Hogan oh, with that back line. Just
1: yeah. to expose them.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And, you know, so we could also get some confidence up before facing Alex Rance the G, you yeah,
0: know? Yeah, but he's beaten Alex Rance before. You never know. That's
1: true. I mean, look, hopefully And now he's, he's had a
0: couple of siggies, a bit more <laughs> relaxed, you know. He's a bit oh, skinnier. He's... <laughs> he's got it all.
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: Anyway. Um, so we're hopeful, but doubtful, like Melbourne Sport is always up. And... So that's uh, to the conclusion of this week's episode. Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, you can subscribe to us through iTunes um, or through the podcast app on your iPhone. Uh, email us at deluded1964 at gmail.com or tweet us at deluded. And we'd love to get your thoughts on some of the little fan questions we've put into the ether um, just so we don't have to make up responses next week. And
1: <laughs> have we had any responses yet?
0: Uh, we have, we have, we have, we have, we've had some, some very interesting, uh, commentary, uh, which we'll, uh, launch next week. Oh, exciting. And please
1: share this podcast with any other huge, tragic D supporters, you know, They
0: have to be really tragic,
1: really, really tragic. tragic.
0: Yeah. Um, but thank you. And we'll join you shortly, um, after the Melbourne Fremantle game. Go D's.
1: Go D's.